Well, good morning, everyone. Can you, can you hear me all right? I forgot to check the microphone before I started. I checked uh, John's lapel microphone, but... Uh, it's lovely to meet together, and it's lovely to be here as a, as a body of, of people who believe, a body of people who have a faith, a body of people who come together in the knowledge that we are not alone. A body of people who know that we are known by God. And I want to just start by reading a few words from Psalm 139. O Lord, you've searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence if I go up to the heavens? You're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we acknowledge today. And that's the God that we're going to worship together in our first hymn, hymn 113. O oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully seeing his power and his love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendour and girded with praise. Let's pray together. Lord God, we... We come here today to meet with you, our maker, defender, redeemer and our friend. Lord, you were there before we were and you will be there after we are. Lord, you had a plan from the beginning that you carry through. And Lord, we pray that you will give us today more of a perspective on who you are and where we fit in. Lord, show us a little more of your love. Show us a little more of your majesty. 
show us a little more of your grace that we will be able to take that and share it with others. Lord God, we come here this morning with joy, with fear, with anxiety, with confidence. Lord, we come with a jumble of emotions that we pray you will help us to untangle and to resolve, at least in part today. Show us who you are and show us our place in your family. Lord, we've heard so much in the, in the week of terrible and disturbing things. We've shared sadness as a family here. And Lord, we pray for your strength to carry on and your strength to be the people that you created us to be. Lord, bless us today, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Andy, would you share the announcements with us? got a letter from Christine, which I'll, just, I'll read out to you. Christine says, I'd like to, thank, to give my brothers and sisters a heartfelt thanks for the phone calls, cards, thoughts, prayers and some homemade meals. I cannot thank you all enough for the support you have all in some way given myself and my family during this very stressful time. Thank you to those who attended Pete's funeral and took the time to be there. It was a time of sadness, but at the same time it was a witness of the strength we have in Jesus. We hope to be with Pete again in God's kingdom. With all my love, Christine. Uh, I'll perhaps put that on the back uh, so you can have a look at it. Juan tells me that the Ecclesial Hall in Santiago has been destroyed by the earthquake in Chile. Uh, all the members are okay, but um, the hall and all its contents are, well, I don't know whether it's all fallen over or whether it's just very, very wet from a pipe burst, but um, they are going to have to rebuild their uh, Ecclesial Hall in, in one way or another. So our prayers need to be with uh, the brothers and sisters out there and their families and indeed with uh, anybody affected by the earthquake in Chile. Uh, continue to think about John Bonani, who's still in Bukavu, um, and his mother is still seriously ill, we understand. Please do pray for John and offer him any support and messages that, that you can get to him. Please continue to remember Mary, Jack, Pauline, Marion and Gladys in your prayers and actions. Derek's operation on his wrist last week went okay. Need to remember him. Uh, Rosie's mum, Doris, had a fall in the week and broke her hip. She's had an operation which went well, but it will be a long road to recovery. Does anyone have anything which they would like to, um, to bring to our attention for the pastoral prayer? Lord God, we bring ourselves to you 
and we ask that you will take what we have and use it in your service. Lord, we know our failings and our inadequacies, but Lord, we thank you that you promise to give us completeness and fullness in Christ. Lord, we pray that you'll take what we have and use it in your service here in our church family that we will support those who need our support. Lord, we pray that you will use us in our communities, that you will help us to share with those who don't know the good news, and that you'll help us to, to be a force for good. Lord, we pray that you will use us and our resources in the world at large. We heard about the earthquake in Chile and our brothers and sisters who are affected. Lord, help us to, to use what we have to help them and to help others too. Lord, we know the, the pain that our family here has, has gone through. We think particularly about Christine and Mike and Rebecca and Emma and their families. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them. Lord God, thank you for all the, the good things that you give us and the love that our brothers and sisters showed to us. Lord, we think about Keziah and we thank you that she's off the life support system but we pray that you will be with her and with her family. Lord, we pray for Ruth and her family who, who mourn the death of John. And Lord, we, we pray for Tess and her family in the, the difficult diagnosis that she's received. Lord, we we can't understand why all of these things happen. But Lord, we trust that through it all and above it all and in it all, you are sovereign and you are Lord and that you love us and want the best for us. Bless us and strengthen us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to take two readings. Our first reading is from Psalm 104. And our second is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
and I've asked Margaret if she will read to us from Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendour and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies. The moon marks off the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labour until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and the leviathan which you form to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. 
He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Angela, would you come and read to us 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me, and now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you very much uh, for those readings. The Psalm 104 reading talks to us about the, 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 the way in which God is in control over every aspect of life on this planet. And the the reading from 1 Corinthians 13 shows us how how love is should be the overwhelming uh, emotion in our lives and in our dealings with people and it describes perfectly the the way that Jesus dealt with people 
we're going to sing now and again that's just picking up some of the thoughts from 1 Corinthians 13 about love O love that will not let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer fuller be John will you come and uh, give us words of exhortation please morning brothers and sisters on the basis that the word exhortation means to admonish earnestly to urge to do to conduct oneself I I find myself thinking about the television series Britain's Got Talent um, I think it's a programme we, we all know about I know, we, I know some of us know about it because it was discussed at great length well some length anyway across the dinner table last year in the church meetings um, and of course it's for those that don't know about the programme it is the programme in which Susan Boyle found world fame uh, in singing that song she sang I Dreamed a Dream uh, and in fact a friend of mine a brother in the south his granddaughter I understand and her colleague have auditioned their tap dancing skills in the next series so I don't know how far they've gone with it but anyway we may want to watch that and see if it's on again um, and of course I know um, many of you were present at and aware that this meeting held its own format of that particular series and we called it God Given Talent last year and it was lovely how a number of brothers and sisters and brothers and sisters and their families performed certain skills that perhaps none of us knew about at the time and it was a very pleasant, lovely, brotherly social evening anyway away from all returning to the television series away from all the glitz the money, the hype, the razzmatazz and the worldliness, I think the idea, the concept has merit. I think it makes a useful point. After all, the Apostle Paul himself drew attention to the sports and entertainments of the day in order to make a spiritual point, didn't he? He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And then, of course, in the letter to the Hebrews, the recommendation to lay aside every weight that would hinder your performance in the race is a good recommendation to Christians to lay aside the trivial and the unnecessary in life that they might perform better. And so, as I say, using the sort of overview of, of, of lessons from entertainment of the day, etc., we grasp the idea clearly, I'm sure, that looking deep within oneself, opening up to the possibility of dormant potential within ourselves, is not only profitable, but I think it is recommended by the Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ to his children. It is of interest to note that the word talent, which is, we use today, is actually taken from the same root that Matthew uses in the 25th chapter when talking about the talents. It has the same root. And if you look up in the Oxford Dictionary, at least the one I have, it actually quotes Matthew 25, and I was quite heartened by that, in fact. Um, and it's a wonderful parable that Jesus uses regarding elements of his kingdom to come. And I think the whole idea of that parable 
in Matthew and, and it appears in Luke uh, with one or two alterations of course um, it's a powerful biblical reference about improvement again producing more not on a competitive basis like the races were of Paul's day or like the television program nothing like that but it is looking for improvement um, looking for a result from greater effort more in-depth awareness of what one can achieve and what one can do by taking charge of our life and utilising God's given talent which perhaps without that search could remain hidden I've mentioned this parable in Matthew 25 a brief recounting of the parable tells us that following the nobleman's journey into a far country for a period of time he entrusts and imbues certain servants with varying talents which were possibly skills however you like to look at it one he gave five talents one he gave two and one he gave one and we, we know the outcome very well upon his return he checks their progress and to his great joy the one to whom he gave five had made ten the one to whom he'd given two had turned it into four and the one to whom he'd given one had done nothing with it it was of no return it made a loss effectively he had nil return but it wasn't a competition so to speak it was an equal opportunity with what they'd been given to produce more and benefit him since his, during his departure. The expectation from the servants was to recognise the talents invested in them and to use them to the very best. And success meant giving respect and honour to their king, as Luke refers to it, and it gave credit to the servants who, improving their willingness with a few things, were thereupon worthy of greater things. And that was a great value to the king and to them in due course. And so we know, brothers and sisters, that the parable is expressing the relationship we have as the children of God in this generation and any generation that's past and future, it is expressing the relationship we have with our own lives and time and in the greater context of God's purpose in our lives through his kingdom to come. And in Martin's prayer, I, I shared with him that expression that we don't understand a lot of things in the difficulties of life, the tragedies, the heartbreaks, the pain, the sorrow, the loss, but perhaps the only way we can understand it is to understand the purpose of God through his kingdom. The only way we can overcome, I think, is to recognize the time aspect of the kingdom of God in our lives and the value that it has. And therefore, I think, in this parable that Jesus gave in Matthew, um, the talents he gave them was a currency. And to the children of God, it is the currency of heaven. It is pointing out to the children of God that their dealings metaphorically in life, their trading in life, with the thing, are to do with the things of God's nature and the nature of his kingdom. And that's what our focus in life should be about. 
And I think personally it's the only way we do see through challenge and difficulties and upheavals and sadnesses and trials. The only way we can understand them is to recognise that our time is to be used in the nature of the kingdom of God because it is an eternal power and force to be. We're the ones with limited power, God is not. So we have to use it to the best of our ability as he's given to us. And again it's the Apostle Paul that makes this valuable point I think in this letter to the the, um, the Romans where he says for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but it is a matter of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit that's the nature of the kingdom of God it isn't just about uh, everyday things of food and clothing and eating and etc and entertainment the kingdom of God is about righteousness joy and peace and what an amazing menu eternal righteousness joy and peace is the menu of the future and the menu of God's children at the present it is the nature of those talents invested in them to benefit more and use better in their experience and time and with the skill he is giving them. We know the context of this letter is to do with offering meats to idols, but I think the principle nonetheless exists the same, uh, if we can see it in this context. I am, on the downside then, slightly, I sometimes chuckle when I think of the huge success that Susan Boyle has achieved since that program. (laughs) Especially when we recall the last line of the song that found her fame. The last line of the song reads, Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. And yet from that she went on to make international fame. And I just sometimes wonder if perhaps Moses felt rather like this when God called him to be his spokesman in his part of delivering the children of Israel from Egypt. Um, It's a great example of before and after, I think, in the attitude of Moses when God, through the angel, spoke to him and after God's experiences with him. And a couple of weeks ago we read read the chapters 3-4 from Exodus and then the following week 15 from Exodus. Massive change in that particular period of time. And... um, Moses, you see, was living, wasn't he? I mean, you can turn it up, of course you can, but chapter 4 of Exodus tells us of Moses' attitude to the visitation. Um, Chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. And that's enough to exhibit to us, isn't it, how he was feeling. And maybe we feel, oh no, I can't do that. And, no, I couldn't get on the platform. Not that the platform is really anything at all, is it, in our service. It's absolutely nothing in our service. It's just a useful aid, perhaps, to urge earnestly and to uh, recommend better conduct. But uh, there's many, many things we might feel we are incapable of achieving. And Moses had that feeling. And yet through his exhortations from God and the experiences he had of the miracles and in being made aware of the power of God's presence, Moses was a very different thing and with the aid of Aaron, his, his, his brother, and not, not of course to forget the great help of, Mo, of, of Miriam, his sister, 
turn over a week later in the 15th chapter of Exodus and there's a very, very different story following the opening of the Red Sea and the miracles, etc. And so it's vastly different. Verse 1 of Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this thing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider was hurled into the sea. And the whole chapter is a song of the success Moses had been given through God in recognizing the power of God and how he could do more if he committed to the using of the talents that God had invested in him. And so I think, I think, and of course then we know how Moses was a support to the people in so many ways and he was a much stronger man and a very humble man as we heard a couple of weeks ago again. And so it isn't brothers and sisters because of our strength that we achieve these things. That's not the theme of this pointing to better talent, so to speak. It is a question of working in partnership with God, being fully aware of the treasure in which which he has invested in us and to look within ourselves through exhortation and remembrance to see how better we can perform and how better we can achieve things. And there is a great source of encouragement to improve this partnership by looking in ourselves. I believe that God improves us. We can improve. God uplifts us. And he stimulates us to more faithful service, not only by being an example to us, but by the words of the uh, parable, etc. And also, I think, God draws attention to his own brilliance. And this, this is something I just wanted to touch on really this morning a little bit. I think in order to make God's children feel confident, especially if they're feeling negative and feeling downcast and feeling low and perhaps unable, I believe the Lord does on one or two occasions draw attention to his own talent, so to speak, to his own brilliance, as it were, And we have a glimpse of the reality of the greatness of God and his power and his incomparable majesty in that psalm we read together today, Psalm 104. It just is, I mean the hymn and Martin's prayer and and, and this reading is is a wonderful package of recommendations as to the greatness and the power and the majesty of the almighty God in all that he has done. Verse 1 to 5 talk about the creation well-known words to us. Um, he wraps himself in light with, with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and the beams of his upper chambers in their waters. He makes a cloud his chariots. Uh, he set the earth on its foundations that it cannot be moved. He covered it with a deep, with the deep as with a garment. And so the whole chapter unfolds the greatness of the handiwork of the Almighty God. And then the various stanzas and the various verses talk about the animals, their creation, their sustenance through the natural provision of water and food. It talks about the vegetation, the trees, the bushes, the herbs, and so on and so forth. And they're beautiful reminders. And these beautiful reminders helped Moses, I believe, to look within himself and turn negative into positive and to use his talents. It helped David to do the same in sometimes when he was downcast and, 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 and difficulty. It helped Job. And I mentioned Job for a reason. I think it helped Job hugely when he was 
challenged and tested and, and downcast. I mentioned Job for a reason, because um, if we turn to Job 38, um, God, so to speak, seriously says to Job, I need to talk to you. You need a shake-up. It's just not on. You need to be reminded of, so to speak, who you're dealing with. And maybe we do. Maybe we need to be reminded of the business we're in, brothers and sisters, and who we're dealing with, the business of the currency of, of heaven. And um, in the, I want to read it from the authorised version, and I'll, you'll see why in a minute. In the 38th chapter of the book of Job, not exactly a paraphrase of Psalm 104, but it links in quite consistently with it, I believe. Um, and in the 38th chapter of, of Job, starting in verse 1, God says to Job, Then the Lord answered him out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkness counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now your loins like a man, for I will demand of you and answer me. And then the Lord says to Job, Where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth, declare if you have understanding. Who has laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who has stretched the line thereof? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? And so the Lord says to Job, where were you when I did all these things? Who are you? What's the matter with you? Why don't you realize who I am, and how powerful I am, and what I've got to do? And then he goes on in verse, you'll see in a minute why I've chosen this, this particular um, version. He goes on in verse um, 30 of chapter 38 of Job. The waters are hid. You'll find there's one or two words in the old AV that don't apply or don't exist in the, the newer versions. The waters are hid as with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the handbands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Mazaroth in his season? Or canst thou guard, guide Archerus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Interesting word there. Canst thou, canst thou guide Archerus with his sons? We might normally just gloss over that, but I think there's a very special reason why that particular star is given a name. And I think it's a sadness that the NIV has left it out. It actually doesn't include it. Um, <laughs> have you any idea how big Arcturus is? Well, I just thought it was of value for us puny little human beings to get some measure of the God we're dealing with. That's a garden pea. Can most of you see that? Um, if that was the earth, um, the sun is that big. I borrowed this from the Sunday school room and I was so delighted because it's a pretty reasonable comparison with the odd, within the odd hundred thousand miles. 
So that's a P, that's the earth, that is the sun that we know, brothers and sisters. Now, this marble, again the comparison is, is approximate, but it's not far off. If that marble was the sun, the earth at this stage is smaller than a speck of dust, it's probably invisible by comparison. If that is the sun, this is Arcturus. And if this is Arcturus, <laughs> this is Antares. And they do go on. Now, probably if you don't remember much about this talk, you might remember that little picture of comparison. And God says to Job, as you read in the authorised version, can you bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth the Maseroth in his season or can't you guide Arcturus with his sons? Brothers and sisters, Moses, David and Job could see Arcturus. They could see the Pleiades. They could see Orion. They could see the Great Bear. There's a lot of planets they couldn't see. And we can see them. We can see them today. We know about the, 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 the measurements and the dimension because of the modern telescopes, radio telescopes, the Hypercurious, the European Hypercurious satellite. They can measure these things. And they must be accurate because if they didn't accurate, yours and my sat-nav wouldn't work. It's on the basis on the same technology. So we today at least can take a lot of heart with this. But, 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 but I saw, I saw the great giant. I saw Pleiades, I saw the giant the other day. One thing about the winter, you might shiver, but the sky is so clear, you can see so much. And I'm sure you are aware of that giant with the two stars at the top and the two stars at the bottom and the three little stars in the middle that make the belt. And the Lord says, can you buy, and Pleiades is just up on the left, right hand top side there. Can you buy the influences of Pleiades? Can you loosen the bands of Orion? I think it's kind of, Angela said, that don't, we don't want a lecture on astronomy this morning. And I said, I said, I can't give you a lecture on astronomy. I don't understand enough about it. But I understand that of all the things we cannot see with our naked eye, those three saw this and could relate to it. We can see it and we can relate to it. And it's amazing. The sad thing is that many of the word religions that we have to compete with, if you like, many of them have used these pictures in the sky and have built up all sorts of myth mythological stories about creation and ideas, about the great hunt of the giant, chasing the Pleiades, etc. And they have said that from this the creation has come but they have denied the existence of the God who put them there. And that's the God that we are endeavouring to receive talents from and work with. This is a great force in our power. And although we can look at those stars and see them sort of on a flat basis, the belt and, and the arms, etc., if, if you took it sideways, they're miles apart. They don't look like that. If we could go around the other side, so to speak, because this chap is 400 light years away and this one is 800 light years away, which is about 5,000 trillion miles and this one's about 2,500 trillion miles. Arcturus is a relative neighbour, being about 
40 light years away, which is about 200 trillion miles away. So it's a relative neighbour, and you can see it if you look for it. I'm not an expert, I mean, you think I know, I'm not at all an expert, it's just a few basic things I've picked up from reading the version from, from Job, so to speak. And if only these people realise they're not patterns in the sky that give mythological ideas, to, they are the creation of the Almighty. You know what to do with that, really. But anyway, it doesn't matter. And, and, and this little excursion into the realms of astronomy perhaps show us that God has used his power and has, has, so to speak, exhorted his servants to recognize his greatness and his talent and says, believe in me. You weren't there when I did it, but I did it. And I did it for you. And I did it for you to realize that I am that great and powerful and supportive and brilliant and you need to be the same. And it is an exhortation to us, I think, to call on this. And yet, the brilliance of the Lord is such that although we get absolutely lost in the size and wonder of these beautiful things, and at the same time, God also says, 36th verse of Job 38, although I made these things and they're there for you to see and we can see them, do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do, you, do they report to you, here we are, here am I who endowed the heart with wisdom and I gave understanding to the mind. So we go from this massive to the minute and it's all to do with our God who wants us to deal and trade with the talents he has given us. So it's so huge and massive and yet he knows the emotion, the intents of the heart. He is the one who knows when a sparrow dies and the very hairs of your head are numbered. I don't wish to be trivial you might say, well, it's not a lot of comfort to you then. But on the other hand, we have to remember that the bottom of my head, every morning I have 16,000 more hairs appear and I have to shave them off. So of all those 16,000 hairs on my beard, excluding those that I used to have on my head, they're all numbered by God. So he's that great and he's that minute in detail. And he says, I'm the one that wants you to deal with my currency, the currency of heaven. It worked with Moses, it worked with David, it worked with Job. Um, and however beautiful the sparkling stars in a clear sky may be, even more beautiful, brothers and sisters, are the simple but meaningful talents that we can use. The passion of bringing to life possible slumbering skills within us, to unfetter the unused qualities, to enhance our own and other people's lives where we can by showing the passion of Jesus and that this great God who made so much and upon whom we absolutely live, as does every person in the planet live, has made available to mankind the opportunity for eternal life 
and we are we are we are needful of trading in the beauty of those treasures and 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 talents that he has given us and by concentration by research looking within ourselves what can i do can i do more then we can perhaps turn four two into four and five into ten and so <laughs> the talents what are the talents well you don't need telling. We read about them this morning, haven't we? Here's the talents, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It isn't rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the composite package of talent that God wishes us to trade with as his children. However, as I said just now, however brilliant the stars are and their brightness is inconceivable, absolutely inconceivable that thing at the top on the left hand side called beta cues it's about 10,000 times brighter than the sun and it's so far away we can still see however bright that is it's not as bright as the light that God says through Jesus you should show and give me the glory therefore let your lights so shine that they may give your Father in heaven the glory. And these are the talents. And we had an amazing talk about love a few weeks ago from Brother Mike, Mike Griffiths, of course. We know that, very interesting, fascinating. But <laughs> I, I just go away, if I'm perfectly honest with you, and I think it's such a difficult thing to show love to my enemies, to show patience to the rude and vulgar, to be calm and, and understanding and, and to be not rude back to people who are rude for me. But if, if I, I actually feel I don't even need to say this and I hope, it, I hope you just don't think it's bringing it down to a silly level, but and none of us are exactly in Sunday school. We've, we've lived our lives and that, but it's, it's never surely, we don't know the age of the servants of the king. There needs to be always an improvement at all times. And start with the small things. If there are younger people here who want direction in practical Christianity, start with the small things. Start with the one and make it two. And then go to the two and make it four. And then go to the five and make it ten. And we have to start with the small things so that we can improve. And <clears throat> it, I'm, I'm saying this because I know behind the scenes people do trip up. We do fall down. I mean, if you have been in sometimes the uncomfortable circumstance of visiting a Christadelphian home and they didn't know you were coming and you wish you'd never gone because you're just about to ring the bell and you hear the most outrageous language inside from man to wife and you think, I think I'd better go now. And, and, and it does happen. Pe people, you know, th this room is so artificial. It just is not the battleground. This is the interview room, the battleground, the marketplace of life, the trading environment in which the talents of God are shown outside. 
they're not always shown inside are they by the way that's another little point they're not always shown inside here but they're outside and we need to start with the small things you know, do, you, do you park for instance in a disabled bay because you can't be bothered to walk do you think 35 miles an hour is acceptable when it says 30 I don't know just the small things we can do day by day because I think we're coming to a stage where the email that came out the other day from Sylvia about ideas on preaching fascinating, interesting, good maybe what's left to us to really preach is the is the lifestyle we show how well we demonstrate love and kindness and charity and not rudeness not impatience maybe this is the greatest preacher that we can exhibit brothers and sisters at this stage in the history of the church the Christian church and in the purpose of God however time goes on we don't know maybe that is the source of our preaching going to be in our lifestyle our examples to other people and to one another and that might impress people enough to want to bring them here and talk about the things we believe in so these are in this chapter 13 and there's so many wonderful things these are the, the gems of heaven's, heaven's currency and by our association with God and Jesus through covenant and through the love and the life that Jesus gave we know that these talents are there for our benefit and for our trading and if we can able if we are able to trade more <coughs> widely with these wonderful talents of, 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 of this wonderful currency then of course we will be the happiest and the richest people on earth this morning we've come to remember Jesus and the way in which he demonstrated beyond all possible words how to trade with the currency of heaven. We've come to remember him, brothers and sisters, and I pray that there will be within us the humility and the strength to look deeper, to recognise there are things we can do that we haven't perhaps done and are not doing which will enrich our lives, enrich the lives of others, and show glory to God who has made all this possible. John reminded me of an occasion when um, I was uh, being shown around a, a research centre where they were doing a lot of work on, well it was actually the ground base for a, for a new satellite that was, that was tracking stars, or investigating the, the infrared spectrum and uh, there was someone with a computer and it was coming up with all these dots and uh, yeah, I asked what it was and he said well these are new stars that uh, no one's ever seen before and the, this, is, these are, this is what the, uh, what the satellite is showing us now no one had ever seen them before and there were just thousands and thousands of them John's asked that we sing together picking up on some words of Jesus in John's Gospel a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We're going to share bread and wine. The symbol of that relationship with Christ and his Father. The symbol of our relationship, a sign of commitment no one is expected to eat or the bread or drink the wine. 
passing it by is perfectly okay if you're not sure or uncertain. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. It's not something we do primarily for anyone else, but for ourselves in communion with him and in communion with others who feel the same. It's not special bread and special wine that blesses us by taking it, but rather it's a symbol of the blessedness that we share by the relationship that we share with him. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. We're going to give thanks now through Jack. Our dear, loving Heavenly Father, in the quietness of this moment, we reflect on your love. Father, this morning we've been lifted to the heavens and driven to see the wonder and the amazement, the amazing things in the stars and in the planets. And yet we remember Jesus in something so basic and so ordinary. And Father, it is wonderful to know that you are in all these things that you are with us the ordinary and Father we pray for your blessing now as we take this bread and break it and share it and in breaking it become part of one loaf and perhaps that too is a wonderful thing so Father please bless us now and share this time with us in Jesus. Amen. Amen. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup. And to give thanks for the cup, through our brother David. Dear Lord and Father, we seek your blessing upon this simple cup of wine. But that is just a symbol, a powerful symbol, Lord, of the blood that was shed for each one of us that our sins may be forgiven. Lord, we come here each week knowing that we are sinners, knowing that your love is so great, the love of the Lord Jesus in giving all that he had for us. Help us, Lord, 
We need to be refreshed each week with these symbols of the body and the blood of our Saviour. Lord, let this cup of wine be passed from one to another. Let it bind us in strength and unity. And with that strength, Lord, we can say, each one of us, I will sin no more. For this we ask through him who gave of his all for us. Amen. He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to finish our service now by singing. John had asked that we concluded with God is in the silence, in the silence of the mind, but um, my musical advisor suggested that it might be a little bit difficult for us because we don't really know it. We're going to finish with, 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 with I rest in God alone, after which uh, our brother Morris is going, to, uh, is going to close in prayer. I rest in God alone, from him comes my salvation, my soul finds rest in him. My fortress, I'll not be shaken. Father, we rest in you. And we've shared time together this morning and considered the wonder of your work, your mightiness. And that has made us humble. We need this experience of sharing the emblems of bread and wine to remember our Lord in the appointed way and we pray that we might hold fast to the hope that it brings and especially that we might appreciate above all things the gift of grace that you have given us such a hope, such a wonder, such forgiveness. We don't deserve it. And we seek your mercy. So thank you again for this time that we've shared. And please bless us that in the strength of it, we might go forward seeking to show our gratitude in our service to you day by day. Please accept our thanksgiving and send Jesus quickly so that we might joy in the wonder of the age to come. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.